And now on Tucson Business Radio X, your home for real estate with Carol Nugent. Hello, everybody. This is Carol Nygut, your home for real estate at Caldwell Banker Realty, coming to you today from beautiful, sunny Tucson, Arizona. And today, I'm really happy to welcome Michael Peel, who is the statewide sustainability director for Local First Arizona. Uh, and Michael has about 15 years of experience in sustainability program development local business and nonprofit support services with a focus on sustainability planning, project implementation, grant writing, and research. And Michael is a native Tucsonan. So Michael, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. And I, I as I was mentioning to you before we went on the air, it seems very pertinent given what's been going on in, the, in our world in the last few months to just kind of do a check-in on how is Local First Arizona, how's the foundation doing in general these days? Thank you for starting there. We are as busy, busier, I will say, than we've ever been working uh, since this crisis began to focus on a strategy around triage to then recovery to resiliency is how we frame it. So being uh, very much responsive to the needs of our local businesses and nonprofits serve on a day-to-day basis and creating content for webinars and resources on everything from the loans available to keep them going and keep them in business to safety measures to how to be more of an online business and being successful that way and changing times to having a small business relief fund available uh, that has raised significant dollars for businesses to be able to avoid eviction and keep their doors open. And I, I, uh, I, I nonstop. <laughs> well, well, I'm happy to hear that because I, I feel like Local First Arizona Foundation's work could not be more timely than it is right now, because for our listeners who might not understand the mission or might not be familiar with the mission of Local First Arizona Foundation, can you just explain a little bit about the mission? Absolutely. Our mission is strengthening the local economy uh, by making it more likely to connect our local businesses to consumers and ideally making it more diverse and inclusive is the the mission so that we have a stronger local economy that is keeping more dollars here in Tucson and in Arizona through uh, supporting local ownership uh, of local businesses and nonprofits and fostering the, the ripple effect that occurs when more dollars are here in our local economy versus chains that are out of state or uh, Amazon. So we're uh, proud of our history of being the largest locally owned business coalition in the country right here in Arizona. That's wonderful. And, you know, I feel sad when I think, was delighted to hear what you said about how active you are and how busy everyone's efforts have been to helping people survive and sustain and recover because I feel so sad because I feel like in many, many ways before the COVID-19 crisis, Tucson, we were on the precipice. We were really on the precipice of achieving so much. And I'm thrilled to hear that there is so much effort going in because we have so much momentum moving forward. And I think COVID, the economic impact of COVID, I, I, I was afraid it sort of gutted a lot of that progress. But from what you're saying, the momentum and the passion is still there. And that encourages me that, that even if there are some setbacks and some adjustments, there's going to continue to be forward motion because there's, there's passion to create that motion. I've seen extraordinary passion and acts of community over the last few months. It's 
been uh, really encouraging. As hard as these times are, undoubtedly so. I'm seeing so much with the, the emphasis on safety, the historic Fourth Avenue businesses wanting to reopen only when it's much safer to do so for the most part. I'm seeing a lot of consensus around that issue uh, with the historic Fourth Avenue Coalition and working on plans to do everything they can to be safe for the community and their customers. That's one so example. And I'm seeing so much around the, the, the interest to be more community-minded. Well, and that's what I, I think is so prescient about local First Arizona right now. I mean, the part of the mission has been to focus on diversity because we have a very diverse community. And it, it, it's just so wonderful that, again, Local First Arizona is kind of ahead of a lot of other communities in that we've already started addressing these diversity issues and trying to empower um, a broad spectrum of individuals and businesses in our community. And so I'm, I'm just hoping that um, I want to get the word out. That's one reason I want you to start by talking about it, because in some ways I feel like Local First Arizona is doing what so many communities are crying out for right now, which is to have a committed um, effort on the part of businesses and government and existing organizations to create economic growth while taking into account diversity. And so it, maybe we're going to end up being leaders in this movement. I think so. I'm thinking that there's a lot of indicators to uh, to point us in the right direction right now to, to be hopeful. Uh, I think that the, the examples of being community-minded that I'm seeing to be safe with reopening, uh, to be focused on masks, um, to be focused on uh, also very much being creative mm -hmm. and thinking about how to uh, make it easier for customers to connect with local businesses through creative pivots and mm -hmm. online uh, ways to get your books from a uh, local bookstore or uh, getting uh, access to films like mm -hmm. Law Cinema has online Correct. options and more available than and they, they did when they had limited uh, screen availability. And there's no making up for the screen experience, of course, but it is great to see that they can pivot and offer more uh, more availability of films. And I think that is exciting for the future because there could be hybrid models eventually of uh, being more online and virtual with your offerings as a business uh, or nonprofit and also still doing what people uh, want and expect from their brand, you know. And I think that's really important, too, to stay on brand. Right, right, and uh, and the I know that the gift card, uh, the rounds of gift card purchasing, those were a phenomenal success. I mean, there were a couple of yes. times I I couldn't even get one; they were sold out before I had a chance to get online. Um, and and speaking of the loft, one of the things that I love about the loft is being community minded again. Is they've reached out and they're asking those of us who are members how we feel about reopening, you know, and, and so I yeah. love, you know, whereas we see in so many other communities and cities and states at different levels of uh, community involvement and governing, we see a, a lot of enforcement and, and a lot of confusion. Uh, and I love the fact that you know, the loft is coming to us and saying, hey, you know, you guys are the ones who are going to have to show up here. How do you feel about it? And I just think that that's part of the cohesiveness of Tucson and why our community is so strong and why so many people support these local businesses when they need it. Um, so, so thanks very much. And I that's the that heart of localism, too, I think, the relationships. Right. Uh, go along with it and knowing who runs the business and what their values are 
that's why we why we put the time in and have the passion that we do for it all because we know the people and you know uh, how much they, they care for the community and they're invested in the community and, and I think that matters when we look at local businesses for example there's so many there but there's also local credit unions and community banks that we promote in our work and we know they have a greater investment track record in their local community uh, across a wide variety of indicators and because local ownership again it's knowing your community people living here working here and being civically engaged and all of that it, it matters it does and it's very different to get an email uh, from uh, someone telling you that someone you know might be out of business if you don't buy a gift card than it is to just get an email that this you know one of 500 stores that this corporation owns isn't going to be able to reopen. You know, it, it's, it's very, exactly. it, it tears at my heartstrings, you know? And so, well, well, thank you for uh, allowing us to start out there because I know that your heart is in sustainability and I'm really so happy to have you because I feel like this is something that I really personally want to learn a, a lot more about for myself. But also, as I am a realtor, I'm a residential realtor, uh, I work with a lot of people who are moving here, who want to be more environmentally sensitive and aware and conscious. And so I'm just really delighted to be able to explore um, that whole topic with you. And I know that uh, one of the things that you're very excited about is the new Southern Arizona Green Business Alliance. Yes. So what would you like us to know and how can people get more involved? Or if you want to just take it one step at a time, why don't you tell us what the Southern Arizona Green Business Alliance is? Gladly. So it's a brand new alliance we've launched with a number of partners across the city and in the county. And the idea behind it is to empower local businesses and nonprofits and other businesses that want to be involved through our partnership with the Tucson 2030 district. Mm -hmm. and, and we want to empower large and small businesses with sustainability strategies. We want to help them strengthen their operations, make them more resilient in the face of climate change, and differentiate their business models going forward as so many need to rethink how to do business in this new era. We're here to provide the tools and resources to rethink how to do business and plan for ways to be more community oriented, more of a social venture mindset, uh, and social entrepreneurship mindset around sustainability and resiliency and what we call the regenerative economy, which is more of a holistic mm -hmm. approach to the economy with uh, the employees being considered first and foremost in the planet. Uh, first and foremost, uh, really looking at all of it, first and foremost, to be holistic and not just uh, about profit. And I think the profit is all there as well in the strategies because to link it all together, it, it's been proven to work uh, to be creating models that are focused more on all three. And so before the business uh, plan gets implemented uh, in, this, in this new era that we're in, we want to uh, help businesses and nonprofits think about all three at once and then incorporate it into their existing plans or potentially have to create new plans if uh, they're starting with a new model. Mm -hmm. And and the Air Southern Arizona Green Business Alliance has some specific target goals for businesses, correct? In terms of the environmental goals in terms of energy use and potable water and stormwater management. Aren't I correct about that or am I? Yes, I got you're definitely correct. So our goals are to reduce energy, water, waste, and transportation emissions primarily. And we have three distinct programs to do that. We have a greater national goal as part of the 2030 challenge for planning nationally that the Tucson 2030 district focuses on. 
And that's a goal to reach a 50% reduction in energy, water, and transportation-related emissions by the year 2030. So as businesses are thinking about adapting their their uh, models or their uh, their plans, at least, for going forward, we want them to consider the cost savings that goes along with anything related to sustainability, as well as the uh, the social community benefits that attract more customers and also uh, retain employees to be more committed and engaged to be potentially even looking at models like employee ownership models that mm-hmm. can drive more creativity and as there's more risk taken uh, in this uh, new economy to uh, provide the space for employees to be part of the solutions and going forward with the ideas of profit, planet, and people. So it's ambitious what we're aiming to do, but we have significant resources and trainings here to do that and recognition opportunities for everything achieved within uh, what we call our starter program, which is the foundational program, the Green Leaders Program, Green Business Leaders, and it's a 65-point checklist. Mm-hmm. No, go so ahead. We're, we're definitely providing a framework on it. And it's the Green Leaders, is that something, because I know they've been promoting it lately, and I'm wondering, is that something that you're soliciting people to be, to participate in? Are you looking to engage more business leaders in that, or is that uh, a currently existing static uh, organization? So it's a brand new program uh, as part of this alliance. So we got this together thanks to the generous support of the city of Tucson and the city of Tucson Environmental and General Services, Tucson Water, FEMA Association of Governments, Tucson Electric Power, and the state of Arizona. And so we're and very thankful for all the support. And the mayor's office has been truly yeah. supportive of our efforts to be creating this alliance and this program to be the starting point to meet businesses and nonprofits wherever they are on their sustainability and resiliency journey to be getting them recognition for anything they're already doing and then to be thinking about uh, new ways of doing business that are uh, more about how you support your employees and uh, engage your employees and the planet uh, as part of your plan and then the profit opportunities that go along with it all. And that's exciting too, of course, because cost savings is something that everybody's thinking about just as much as bringing in new uh, employees and uh, new customers, especially. Well, and I imagine that the cost benefit is a key buy-in to get some participation. Yes. So we had some success a few years back with a more intermediate program called Scale Up, which is a, an award-winning program that's more of a planning program, a cohort-based education workshop series. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be the next level up from the Green Leaders 55-point certification checklist. Oh. And it's something that we've been able to find a lot of success with, with helping businesses save hundreds to thousands of dollars on their energy bills by working through our program and getting a plan shaped through our program. And I'm curious, I know in the past there was a real reluctance on organizations, whether they're businesses or nonprofits, but just in general organizations to even consider sustainability because it was assumed that it would cost some money. It, it was, it was, you know, always going to be at a cost. So I imagine that programs like, um, you know, the leadership program that you're talking about in Scale Up, where you have the opportunity to provide people with training and education to show them that they can benefit not only in terms of the environment and in terms of the community and collaboration with social collaboration, but also that it can profit their business. I mean, that's a pretty strong winning combination. And that's the exact goal we're going for. It's that idea of differentiating yourself as a business uh, from others out there uh, by defining priorities that are 
more about the social good and the community good. There are models like B corporations and employee-owned cooperatives, worker-owned cooperatives that are driving powerful change in our communities by um, thinking outside the box about what it means to do business. And then as a result, are able to be uh, attracting more of a commitment from customers than a commitment from employees. So that uh, is a driving goal of ours is to not just focus on the, the cost savings, which are significant long-term, if we think about the investment short-term leading to much larger long-term savings, that's a driver. But then what about right. the uh, the way your business is understood as a uh, driving agent of change? I think people are looking for inspiring stories to buy into, to invest into, and support on a long-term basis. We've seen that with uh, well, powerful examples like Pop Cycle and how they've mm-hmm. been able to continue getting support during these truly extraordinary, challenging times uh, that no one could have expected it to be this hard. So even those who were doing well have so many challenges to face on a day-to-day basis. And right. that loyalty from your base of customers and then growing that base so important. Yeah. So if we have listeners who are interested in getting more involved with the Southern Arizona, the this Green Business Alliance, what would you recommend that they do? What is there a phone number or that you would recommend? There's or? a website that I recommend going to right away to look at, uh, at all of the details of the program. And that's www.sazgba.com. Okay. And it has a lot of information on there, including how to get signed up for a consultation to learn all about the uh, resources and different areas of the certification checklist for green leaders, which is what I recommend anyone interested in the alliance to start with. Even if you're already doing a lot, uh-huh. you have the opportunity to get recognized for what you're already doing, which will include promotion online, a special decal certificate, and uh, a lot a lot more planned over the coming year. And so you mentioned that the challenges that we're, everyone is facing, but I'm curious in terms specifically of the sustainability programs, how are they adapting to, I mean, these are really extraordinarily challenging times. I mean, unprecedented really in in, in modern history, that's for sure. So I'm wondering, how are you adapting? I know you've mentioned some of the the things that uh, Local First Arizona is doing, but in terms of the sustainability programs, are there specific things that you're focusing on to, to adapt? Definitely. I think that we have to adapt if we're going to be relevant and meeting the needs of so much that is changing on a day-to-day basis. And so I think it's about meeting businesses where they're at. Like I mentioned earlier, one of the best parts to me about the checklist, the certification program, is the mm-hmm. opportunity to suggest an action that you might already be doing or you need to be doing to keep your business going or you're uh, recognizing as a unique uh, market opportunity. And we want to recognize how that can be uh, added as a point on the checklist if it has a sustainability element or a community-minded resiliency element to it. Uh, so we are aiming for that when we are doing the work we're doing. We want to take all of the resources that we've been gathering and reading over the years into uh, to the program like we've been doing, but then we've been adding more in around also environmental uh, justice and equity and everything going on in our uh, current times, uh, current events, uh, we have to center equity. And and we know that, and it's already been a goal of ours, but we're putting more time into how many resources we have to offer there in mm-hmm. that area so that that can be a big priority for those businesses as well. And the opportunity to be a leader in that space and be recognized as part of the solution. Well, and Mike, there are many. Go ahead. 
oh, I was going to say there are many examples of what a solution can look like. So uh, I wanted to mention those in a minute. Okay, let, and, and let me just interrupt you for one second just to say that this is Carol Nygut, your home for real estate on Tucson Business Radio X. Normally, we're broadcasting from uh, the Stewart Title Building, but these days we're doing everything remotely. And my guest today is Mike Peel, who is the Statewide Sustainability Director for Local First Arizona Foundation. And Mike, you want to go ahead and continue what you were saying? Yes, thank you. So there are many examples of what we would call a solution, a sustainable or resilient solution. And so examples of that include, if we're talking about energy, one example is planning to reduce energy use during periods of high peak demand, which is Mm -hmm. also a big cost-saving opportunity. Uh, And then another example is with water, the plan to uh, curtail water use during drought periods when supplies are limited, because we are in a desert where that is a critical issue to the future. So there are lots of reasons to be doing that and prioritizing it. Waste and procurement is another example, and looking at local procurement as an opportunity to keep dollars recirculating here in our economy and reducing the distance of items and goods delivered. And then again, strengthening our local economy. So that's another example. Uh, A a transportation example is telecommuting options available to avoid unnecessary travel and during periods of need only, which we're seeing a lot of now. I was going to say, we're getting some practice at that. Yes, we are. So we want to award recognition for it as a policy uh, or plan. And so the next example is food and events for food service businesses. Over 50% of food is sourced from local growers within 150 miles. And for other businesses, over 50% of food comes from local caterers owned and operated here in Southern Arizona. Again, strengthening our connections here and keeping our economy centered around local businesses is uh, the way to shift our dollars here. We talk about the shift as part of our mission, shift at least 10% for a much greater economic impact. Well, I, what so, I find, uh, yeah, I was just going to say what I find wonderful about what you're saying is you keep coming back to the positive economic impact of some of the programs. And what keeps going through my mind, and I don't know if I'm just not. My, it's my antiquated mindset, but there's so much emphasis in the media right now, everywhere you go, on the economic challenges. And I'm wondering if that emphasis on the economy right now, if, if you're seeing that that's having any kind of an effect or an impact on people's interest in sustainability or their prioritizing of sustainability, you know, because we there's just so much emphasis on the economy, just on the basic economics right now. Uh, and I just I'm just curious whether you're seeing that people are are kind of backing off from some of their commitments to things to sustainability because of their economic needs. I am. I'm hearing it from a lot of the businesses that we're already serving are smaller businesses wanting to shift and and be more of a adaptable uh, business than they've been uh, thinking about prior, but already had the interest to do so. So I think that right now we're finding success with a lot of people signing up because they already had the interest. They just hadn't prioritized it yet and mm-hmm. we're here for that we're here for those businesses also that haven't even started on the journey and before they start retooling or making any adjustments to their business plan in significant ways and we definitely would encourage them to get involved with our program to maximize what that planning process should because be. survival is important but i'm guessing some people feel that they have to survive, and then they can focus on sustaining. But what I'm hearing you say is, give us a call. Let us 
consult with you because it may just be that some of the ways that we show you that our sustainability programs are the very things that are going to help you survive. Exactly. That you can benefit from all of these solutions. And that's the idea. Uh, We are here to also take in input around what might be done that's really out of the box that hasn't gotten a lot of attention and how that might be a sustainability or resiliency strategy that others should consider as well. And mm-hmm. we've been able to make some powerful connections in the past. For example, with Scale Up, with the first cohort a few years back, the uh, connections made between Pop Cycle on Fourth Avenue and their artist connections within their store, their collective, and one in particular being Bottle Rocket, which works with recycled uh, right. uh, base for their products, their wonderful products. Connecting them, PopCycle connected another member of the cohort, Sonoran Glass School, to their uh, connections with the the different artists in their collective. And that one example is Bottle Rocket. And that was a perfect connection because then Sonoran Glass School could provide excess glass to Mm -hmm. Bottle Rocket. And I think that we want to foster that kind of thinking, that that collaborative thinking can help create more opportunities uh, than if you're going at it alone or just the usual uh, people in your network. And I think that's only going to go so far. And we want people to think outside the box and and uh, really understand how much of a community uh, we can be and how much uh, is out there in terms of solutions if we work together. And the creativity, you know, there's there's a lot of creativity in repurposing as opposed to just recycling, which which you, the example you just gave about, um, you know what's going on with Bottle Rocket. It's repurposing. I think is an expression of creativity, and it also has a communal benefit too, because to repurpose quite often we have to collaborate. And so I, I, I'm, you know, I just love, I love the whole mission and I'm so delighted personally to be in a community that I feel is really committed and especially in this very, very challenging time. And I'm just curious, I know you've talked about a lot of things you've been involved with, but are there particular sustainability projects that are your favorites that you haven't mentioned? I've really enjoyed learning more about the energy analysis that goes into these types of projects at a a more advanced level. So I've partnered in the past with the EPA and Uh continue to look at their resources as the gold standard in a lot of ways for how to do this work. So I mentioned our partner, the Tucson 2030 District. Right. Way of ensuring that we're meeting these higher level goals that are admittedly ambitious, but definitely necessary in a climate emergency that we're in as a society, as a planet. Uh, The idea of we can't uh, manage what we don't measure. Uh, How do we we get further if we're not measuring? so the idea of tracking on uh, what the energy bills are on a month-to-month basis is something I've been really enjoying, learning the different tools to do that. And you, when you talk about energy, are you talking primarily about electricity, or are you talking about other forms of energy as well? I'm talking about energy efficiency. I'm talking about water conservation. I'm talking mm-hmm. about energy, water, and gas, typically yeah. with the benchmarking. The opportunity is there to uh, to look at all three over a series of uh, months to years. And there's a tool called Energy Star Portfolio Manager that mm-hmm. we utilize as part of Scale Up and the more advanced programs in the 2030 district so that a business can maximize their cost savings and think about deep retrofit opportunities. And, and it's mm-hmm. much more so for facilities that we're talking about. But there are opportunities to look at uh, 
rainwater harvesting as well. And we're right. very excited about all of the above. Well, because I'm a residential realtor, I'm going to indulge if you don't mind. I'm just curious because uh, so far everything that we've been talking about really is geared towards the um, business community. But I'm just curious whether you're participating or developing any programs for homeowners. We have, uh, well, our, through our partnership with 2030 District, we have a, a strategy being developed for homeowners through the uh, residential committee of the Tucson 2030 District to look at different pilot projects with uh, homeowners. And it's actually the first residential committee uh, within the entire 22 cities that are committed to the 2030 challenge we're planning nationally. So we're the first city in the state of Arizona to commit to the challenge. And, and that's, that's a local committee? It's a local committee, and it's the first one in the network nationally to develop a residential committee to focus on these goals with homeowners. Boy, I would love to learn a little more about the work that they're doing. I don't know if they publish any newsletters or if they have any guidelines or anything that they have available to the public, but I would be very interested in, in learning more about what they're what they're doing. Um, so maybe when we're not on the air, I'll ask you how I can get connected a little bit. <laughs> I would love to connect you. There's so much opportunity there, I think. And then there's also uh, a guide that we've created at Local First for individuals who are renting for their business space, how to work with their landlord to uh, be encouraging sustainable actions and strategies. That's terrific. I mean, I, I you know, I just think if we, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear about the residential committee because I think if you can get people to buy in to practices that they're applying in their homes, you're more likely to get them to buy in in their businesses, either because they're business owners or they're entrepreneurs or they work in a business where we, you know, kind of circling back to what you discussed earlier about collaboration between business owners and employees. Uh, I think that's one way some of that collaboration emerges is that individuals who are committed to sustainability in their homes, they're now going to begin to demand it or at least encourage it lobby for it in their in their businesses in their business community exactly and i'm all for the overlap to be advocated for more because i think that the more you're learning at home and and seeing the benefits as a homeowner or a renter because you're seeing that you're collaborating with your uh, building owner <laughs> to see some changes that bring the cost down and hopefully the rent down. Uh, right. That is the the idea here is to see those changes on a smaller level and then how can you implement those at a larger level for your business or for your community, hopefully for all of the above. Well, and Mike, how did you get interested in sustainability? I go back on this a long time. Growing up here in Tucson and my Rincon High School days, I was fortunate to meet the TUSD energy manager at the time, uh, Doug Crockett, who would become the city of Tucson's energy manager. And he challenged me to work on uh, a plan for TUSD around creating an energy efficiency program for youth to learn how to spot different opportunities for energy upgrades and improvements at the schools and mm. to get the youth involved with solar races and and we did a lot around making it fun and engaging and an energy buddy type program that uh, was the idea and we were able to get it accomplished and I think it was a model that got a lot of learning accomplished but also was fun and engaging and so I, I learned a lot through that process I didn't expect to take on that kind of project in high school, but that's what the power of mentorship can do is create larger opportunities that inspire lifelong commitments to pursue these goals. And that's what happened with me. It, it sparked an interest to keep going. And I did that uh, further in 
my first job, I was able to actually work on a green building by hand. And we built a community center utilizing earth bags, the Super Adobe method. And it was the whole earth building center that we created for the nonprofit I worked for uh, right after I finished college. And it was extraordinary. <laughs> Talk about a community barn raising. And we literally got the community out on weekends, built this net zero energy building and focused on utilizing the most basic materials from uh, literally just working with the earth and and building this building out of earth bags. It was an inspiring project for me. That's another one I would love to to see more of (laughs) that now that I have that experience. I got to be interested in green buildings, and then I looked into the U.S. Green Building Council and understood better about LEED and took my exam to understand the LEED process and got that done and passed. And, and it was a, all around a, an opening into a, a much bigger world to start there in high school and then go much further, and I'm still learning every day. It's a it's its own world to understand all the possibilities with sustainability. I'm definitely of the mindset, never stop learning. It keeps uh, getting more advanced by the day. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful, I love listening to you talk about your experience building from the earth. You know, we have a society right now that seems to unfortunately, to a very large extent, to have forgotten that we're connected to the earth and we're connected to the water and we're connected to the sky. And I could just hear the heartfelt connection that you felt to the earth. And it sounds to me like that was part of what inspired you to want to work in ways that help to protect it and, and help to save it out of respect and uh, and unfortunately, too much of our society, we've gotten so far away from it. And I'm kind of hopeful that part of what's happened that's coming out of this crisis is we're maybe rediscovering the value. I know that I happen to have lived many years in the Chicago area, and I happen to be listening to the radio this morning. And the mayor this morning announced that people could go to the lakefront again. They haven't been able to go to the lakefront for three months. And people are just thrilled and delighted just to get out in nature again, just to see the lake, just to touch the sand. And so I'm kind of hoping that maybe part of what's coming out of this is we're going to have a little more respect for all of the natural resources that, that are limited, that we don't have a lot of respect for. And, um, I was kind of touched by listening to you talk about the inspiration of that building project. So I'm curious, what do you think are the biggest challenges right now? I think it's what you're getting at. It's that we aren't prioritizing these values enough and understanding their longer-term opportunities. Uh, I think that it's not going to be easy to get any of this accomplished but what is easy (laughs) lately so i think we need to consider uh, different approaches that uh, can be not just about profit but still about profit and have an opportunity to create a better community and the Mm -hmm. nature of some of this work is it's slower at times um, than just going for the the Amazon approach, you know, to get as much uh, as you can get done as fast as you can. And I think we need a slower growth mindset. Uh, smart growth, I think, is a good word, too, for it. Smart and slow growth, in a way, in that uh, the opportunities are there with the right plan to realize even greater savings uh, by investing in any of these ideas that we're talking about today in the longer term benefits from the upfront investment can be achieved they can be realized but it does take time and a willingness to put the time in and know it won't happen overnight uh typically some some efforts can happen fast but 
uh, typically it takes time to realize these savings and realize your return on investment. So I think there needs to be a willingness to uh, look at it all simultaneously and know that there can be greater opportunities ahead by putting the time in to be more sustainable, be more community oriented, and be thinking about your employees and how to give them more opportunities and to be considering more around what the needs are with equity and environmental justice. And, and there's just so much to be done. There's so much to contribute to that create a a better society, a better community and systems that are uh, focused on people first. And I think uh, if we don't take into account how people are affected by all this, the work we do and think about our actions and our consequences and all of the uh, result or the uh, cause and effect of, of what we do enough, then we'll be in a similar place that we are now. And I think, we won't be ready for the next crisis. We can take this crisis to prepare for what might be ahead and have a stronger community ready to withstand any shocks in the future. So if, if any of our listeners have had their interest piqued by everything that you've said, what would you recommend someone, is there a program, I mean, other than the programs that you're talking about, is there a book? Are there podcasts? Are there resources that you would recommend that someone could avail themselves of to, to begin the process either of educating themselves or learning about what opportunities and options there are that they might want to consider? Where would you recommend that somebody start? Well, I would recommend the Green Leaders Program for that reason because we have so many resources that can be explored as starting points from uh, readings to uh, different websites like, uh, well, I'll mention a few in a minute, but uh, before that, I wanted to mention the, the opportunity to baseline uh, your energy, water, and waste, uh, and transportation usage is a requirement of the program, as is uh, being part of the Travel Reduction Program with FEMA Association of Government. There's just so much to learn, and then diving deep into all of these resources so that's one way. Another way is to uh, just get started and look at websites like the Democracy Collaborative and the uh, Institute for Local Self-Reliance are two of my favorite websites mm -hmm. for not just sustainability, but localism and everything we're talking about. All mm -hmm. of that is covered on a regular basis with excellent studies on those websites. They're really the uh, uh, cornerstones of a lot of what we do. Uh, and what we build off of, uh, and these, first. and these, and these aren't just for businesses. These are just for individuals who want to learn yeah. more about. Literally, anybody can be part of that shift that I mentioned. That we like to say the ten percent shift. Anybody right. can start there, and then it's not local only, but it's making that shift to try to get to greater percentages of of uh, local actions and sustainability actions as well. So you mentioned uh, the, the Democracy Collaborative. What was the other one? Localism? The Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Okay. that I'm not even familiar with that one, so I want to make sure that I note that one. And so in the last couple of minutes that we have, Mike, is there anything special that you would like to convey or something that we haven't gotten to that you'd like to talk about? Well, definitely to go to localfirstfazd.com, F-I-R-S-T-A-Z.com, and check out our directory of all the local businesses and all of the resources I mentioned at the beginning of the call, in addition to our Southern Arizona Green Business Alliance directory. We have other programs that are sustainability-related statewide. We have uh, many events, uh, online events now, uh, to be as safe as possible. We've been putting on plenty of webinars on a regular basis and we'll continue to put those on. And one thing that I'll add, to, so, one yeah. thing I'm just, I'm just going to add to that, that Local First Arizona, you can make a single contribution. You can make an ongoing regular monthly contribution as a localist. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm correct about that. 
so you can get involved even if you don't own a business, even if you aren't about to put a water harvesting system in your home. There are still ways that you can contribute to the cause. Absolutely. We encourage, well, if you're a business or a nonprofit, we encourage membership. And and we're affordable and have so much to offer for the promotion and the directory and the resources and the social media uh, promotion and all of it. So all of it that goes along with what we do when you're a member. We do everything we can to get the word out about our network. And, and we've had a lot of success there. So we'll continue to build off of it. And we've seen incredible growth um, and interest over the last few months with everything we're doing on a day-to-day basis and all the resources we're uh, including. Uh, and also our Facebook group that we have for our business members is an excellent resource for those who are members to join in and get day-to-day updates and connect and with others. So, that's just the yeah. local Fish Arizona Facebook, correct? Right. That's a group for our members, a private group. So that's another opportunity. And then if you're uh, not a business or nonprofit, like you're mentioning, you can be a donor, you can be a volunteer. There are many ways to get engaged. We encourage anybody listening to sign up for our newsletters on our website. We have a lot, including our Green Insider. Uh, that's a way to keep updated on all of the programs I'm talking about and in Southern Arizona and statewide. And then all our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we're active on all on a frequent basis. Well, super. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I've been talking to Mike Steele, who is the statewide sustainability director for Local First Arizona. And we've been talking about sustainability and I think all of the terrific things that Local First is doing in Tucson and in Arizona which I think are really groundbreaking and I think are providing a lot of leadership for many other communities around the country, at least as best I can tell as an outsider. And I appreciate so much you giving us your time and sharing of all of your knowledge. And uh, I would really encourage any of our listeners to follow up. Uh, We all have to be in on this together. That's the bottom line. And uh, I really, really hope that you will all begin to take advantage of some of the resources that Mike uh, has shared with us. And I am Carol Nyga, your home for real estate, and I'm broadcasting on Tucson Business Radio X, where I'm delighted to join with you one time a month. I like to bring topics that are of importance to everyone. And I look forward to talking to you next month when I think we're going to be discussing what the homeowners need to know about the mechanicals in their houses, like the electrical and the plumbing. So my goal is to provide information and education, and I look forward to speaking with you again next month. In the meantime, I hope everyone stays well and safe, and thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed your home for real estate with Carol Dygett on Tucson Business Radio X. 